This episode is very exciting because Mary was the first person to share her story with us after connecting through our Instagram account. I knew I would be helping tell the stories of women. Um, I knew personally through others or family. Um, and it was always my dream for women to find us through Instagram, but I never imagined it would be this soon. I was so nervous for some reason. Um, maybe because we didn't know each other real well before this. Um, and you can tell from the slip ups and the struggle to gather, um, to the struggle <laughs> to gather my thoughts in this first part of the episode, but we talked together so well and I was deeply impacted by her story. So I hope that you can be strengthened through your journey as you listen to hers. So let's jump in. Welcome everybody. Um, this is Motherhood Off the Rails. I'm your host, Jolene. And today we have a new friend, at least to me. Her name is Mary. And I'm really excited to hear her story because unlike the other episodes, I don't know anything about it. Um, and so it'll be just as new for me as it is for you. So we're going to jump in. Um, welcome, Mary. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Why don't you start off by just sharing a little bit about yourself with everybody? Um, well, I'm Mary. I've been married to my husband for um, just shy of nine years. Uh, we have three children in total at the moment. Um, he, has, he has a 20-year-old daughter. We have our 13-year-old and our two-year-old, and we are currently pregnant with twins. So it's really exciting. Um, I'm a school psychologist by day. And now um, I've had many years of some fertility struggles. And now we're navigating um, a stillbirth with one of our twins. So that's kind of where we're at right now and a little bit about me. lot to unpack. And I can't wait to get into your story. Um, we always start everyone's story with the same question because it's kind of the genesis the beginning of everybody's story where would you say that your dreams of motherhood began well i would think like most young girls that you think about it when you're young and you're playing with barbies and you're like oh you know or not even me i was like played with little animals so i'd be like okay these little cats are going to create a little family and things <laughs> like that so um I always knew I wanted to be a mom. I wanted a big family from a really young age. Um, it's just something I always knew I wanted. I just never knew what that would look like. Um, unfortunately for me, I didn't have the best example. So I think that that really um, made me struggle a little bit on what motherhood might look like for myself in the future. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting when we don't even think about how much we base our own dreams of motherhood off of what we had growing up. Some of us had great examples, some of us didn't. And so that changes your dream along the way. Um, and I'm really interested to see how you work that into the rest of your story. Um, well, fast forward some time, you met your husband. What did the discussion of creating a family together look like for the two of you? Well, we'd actually, we've been together. Uh, we've been best friends since probably around 2008. I we didn't that. actually, I know he's my best friend. I couldn't oh. ask for a better partner in life. Um, we, we started out as best friends. Um, we both came to the table with children from prior relationships, um, which I think is such a cornerstone to our own story. 
Um, unfortunately, those weren't the best relationships, um, which really impacted how we viewed future parenting and potentially having children. And unfortunately, for many years after getting together, um, it took a long time for us to be able to get the puzzle pieces to fit correctly, to be functional enough to be parents, which we both realized was so important because we watched our older children kind of struggle through, you know, having split families, blended families and things like that. And it was really important for us, given some of our generational trauma, to absolutely be in the best mindset possible to give our children the best foot forward. So we really spent a lot of time working on ourselves individually as well as in our marriage. And I think that was such a huge piece because until we could do that, the topic of children really wasn't at the, at the forefront. So how many, um, we could put it like into a timeline from when you guys got married until you had the conversation like, okay, we've got all of our ducks in order. We feel like we're ready to further blend our story. What was kind of that timeline, would you say? Um, well, like I said, best friends, probably about 07, 08. Um, we actually got together when my son was five weeks old. So that was 2010. We didn't officially get married until 2014. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's it's comical now when you see where you were and where you are and how things kind of transpire. But it's really kind of neat that um, the first three years of marriage were extremely hard. We dealt with things that I would not wish upon anybody, like mm-hmm. very early on, things that some people don't even see in a 20-year span of marriage. So um, those first three years were very hard. Um, but after we got through that hump and we started to really connect and be able to communicate in a way that we felt was effective, then the topic of conversation came in of like, you know, we built this communication, we built this foundation of trust after, you know, not knowing what we were doing for so long. So it was really exciting to start talking about expanding our family because that was a conversation for me, um, coming from single motherhood for an extended period of time. And, you know, working extremely hard to um, build my life for my son, um, I just never thought I could maybe even go there again or trust somebody. So it was really neat to kind of watch our relationship blossom. And it's only gotten better despite all the hardships we've gone through. That is so beautiful and so strengthening, I'm sure, for yourself. Um, Because as we're going to see in your story, your story of motherhood went off the rails multiple times, but having that rock solid relationship with your husband, I can only imagine how strengthening that was and made it maybe just a little bit easier to walk through. It did. And it's, it's very, um, I've come a long way in my view of marriage and how important I, I think it is. It's very valuable to me. Um, because to go from, we really didn't know if it was going to work at all (laughs) to being in this place of, you know, we're continuing to grow and we're going through things and it's just really only deepened what we Mm -hmm. have. And I, and I just think that's such an important role for me as a mother to display for my children. Definitely. Yeah. I heard somewhere, I don't know if it's a statistic or just something I heard along the way that the way 
kids see their parents is the way that they just view life and what they're going to look for in their future spouse. And I think that's something that we don't touch on enough in many of these stories, because so many of the stories, the focus is loss and what we're walking through. But so much of like the background players are our spouses and how they've walked through this with us. Um, and we'll get into more of how all this has affected, um, uh, has affected your relationships further on in the episode. But I'm so glad you started off with that because that foundation of having a spouse to walk through all this with you is just so vitally important. I know for myself, I would not have been able to go through my story of loss without my husband. So thank you for starting with that. Absolutely. Let's jump right in though, right, jump right in now. Um, and I know that this story won't be easy to share. So I wanted to start off by saying thank you for being vulnerable, for being open and honest with an audience of who knows who's gonna listen. Um, but I know that there's gonna be at least one person that is going to benefit from your story. Um, so like we ask everybody, where would you say that your dreams of motherhood started going off track? Well, I think we ended at a great spot with the marriage part. Um, really, it went off the rails when um, my husband and I coming, like I said, from these, we had brought together a blended family. We had some less than desirable experiences in our first go at parenthood. And I remember when we finally made this decision to come together and like, we were so in this place of like, gosh, like I can't believe I'm actually in this place of like trusting somebody to want to bring an innocent life into the world. And I thought that was such, so vitally important. So with that, um, I already knew from earlier on that I had a diagnosis of endometriosis. I had some, um, some things that I learned that later on as our story progresses that I was going to be struggling with, with fertility. So um, with that, my husband um, just naturally just was born with, um, with lower testosterone levels. So we had to navigate not only my fertility issues, but as well as this other component that I was not familiar with. Mm. So it really, um, I knew coming into it, like he had been on testosterone replacement therapy for a, an extended period of time, um, which we ended up learning actually completely depletes the sperm altogether. He wasn't making anything. So I had to first deal with that piece as well as my own endometriosis. And then I ended up having right at around the time we started to, I had never had problems other than the endometriosis, but I've had multiple procedures to kind of mitigate that. And it kind of got better, didn't really have that issue, at least impeding our ability to conceive that I knew of, but a new issue had cropped up in the midst of all this, where I was actually bleeding 28 days out of the month. Mm. Um, they didn't know why they, every time I would go into the, <laughs> into our local clinic, um, they would just every different pro provider, like I give them my history, we go over it and they'd be like, Oh, it's just your endometriosis. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I I don't really quite understand this. I feel like it was a very lazy way of yes. just pushing women through the clinic like cattle. And I'm always, I have always struggled with autoimmune issues and health issues that really um, went under the radar as a child due to um, some neglectful behavior with my parents. So, and I've had to fight every which way for my own quality health care. Mm. 
So I've been my own advocate from a very young age. So this was just one more piece of the puzzle that I had to kind of navigate and then couple that with a men's fertility issue as well. Um, really having to educate myself through a variety of forums, like different articles I would read, um, evidence-based research on how to be able to bring that sperm back, whether it was holistically or, you know, through medication, um, through the doctor, whatever the case may be. So it really pushed me into this, this, this advocacy for myself. Um, so that's really how we knew we're finally at this place where we're like, wow, like we're emotionally where we need to be. And yet the stars just won't align because there's mm. just too many things going on, too many issues that just had to be dealt with. Mm. Man. And something I didn't think of until you started talking about it is that men's fertility and fertility is something that is discussed, I feel like even less than our infertility. And so I can't imagine like the links you had to go to, to try to find some of this information, because I personally haven't tried to look for it, but I can imagine how difficult it would have been to try to find all of this. It was very hard. I had to really, um, I mean, as a woman going into certain like Facebook online groups (laughs) and you're like, Hey, um, you know, whoever gentleman so-and-so, like, <laughs> can I ask you a question? But it was really actually, um, I got to be honest, that the men that I got a chance to speak with that have struggled with, you know, just naturally lower testosterone or whatever the case may be, they were very, um, like, actually very empathetic. Like, oh, okay, wow. yeah, I've been there as a, as a man. Like, because, I mean, that that's such a big deal for a man to have a lower testosterone level. I mean, it really impacts their mental mm-hmm. health. It impacts them physically. I watched my husband physically go through so many things to continue to expand our family. I honestly think physically it's been harder on him than wow. it has ever been on me. That's that's such an interesting part of the story. Well, let's get back to your story. You're in the clinic and you're not getting the answers that you want. And I know that so many women are going to resonate with this and it's not anything against the medical system, but what kind of thoughts and frustrations were running through your head when you didn't feel like you were getting the answers you wanted or needed? I, it finally like started to sink in because I kind of felt defeated, um, just periodically throughout this whole process. I thought, gosh, you know, I'm finally at this place where I'm in a functional state. I have completely worked on my marriage. I have completely done all of the the preliminary work to prepare us for parenthood, both of us. And Mm -hmm. then coming to that realization, it's like, so will my experience only be my son, my 13 year old, who is an amazing human being. I would not have traded that experience to the world, but I was like, gosh, am I never going to get the experience of bringing a child into the world with somebody that truly loves me, that truly wants to take on this huge responsibility. And it just kind of really broke my heart because I thought, gosh, like we both came from less than desirable experiences previously. And we may not even get this, this opportunity because one, my husband is eight years older than me. Um, I will be 35 this year and he is 43. So there were, there were, you know, we, we took our time, we, we got our marriage in order and things like that. So it was really just, I couldn't believe like that opportunity might have been stolen from me. And Mm -hmm. I was really sad about it. And I really didn't have a lot of friends at the time that navigated the type of fertility issues we were having. 
Um, especially because, you know, my husband is a little bit older than me and my friends are either in their sixties or they're quite a bit younger than me. So, you know, um, it was just kind of disheartening at that point. And isolating too, I'm sure not feeling as though you were completely alone because nobody had the same, um, troubles and struggles as you did at that time. No, they didn't definitely Mm. didn't, but I did have friends that really did try and I commend them for that because I think that they were sympathetic to my situation. They just weren't quite sure how to walk through Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So what happened next after the clinic and not getting any answers? Um, well, you know, it's been interesting. I started graduate school in 2017 and I have found myself, um, I always kind of was kind of like the odd girl out. So it's really cool because I've been able to make a lot of relationships that have actually been very conducive to some of my struggles. Um, being a school psychologist, you get to work in a community of wonderful professionals that not only are your colleagues, but they, some of them become some of your closest friends. And at that time, I happened to be in a placement um, for some of my hours during grad school. And my practicum supervisor had, um, her and I were kind of chit-chatting a little bit, and she was very empathetic. And she goes, you know, she's like, I just feel like you keep going back to the same place. And, you know, definition of insanity. Why would you keep doing that? You're not getting what you need. And I was like, you know, you know you're right. And um, she was very motherly as far as like, hey, you know, like, here's the name of my doctor. And she had actually um, navigated having a perforated uterus, but that was botched by another provider. Wow. Um, couldn't get figured out what was happening and went into my current OB and said, Hey, can you help me? And he was able to identify the issue and get her completely back on track because that completely obliterated how her quality of life at that point, because she was having you know, pain, there was all sorts of things going on. And she said, you know, he, no one else could figure out that somebody else screwed up. She's like, except for him. So she's like, what do you have to lose at this point? And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what, you're right. And I did, I, I made an appointment and started getting lined up with him and it, it all came out beautifully after that. So what answers were, he, was he able to provide um, that you weren't necessarily getting from the clinic? And where did that lead you in your next part of motherhood and um, trying to have that with your husband? Um, we were able to go ahead and make the consultation. I went in there um, and I talked to him about, you know, my medical history, what I've been experiencing with this insane bleeding for, I want to say it was like over a year. I was mm. bleeding three and a half weeks out of the, out of the month. It was really hard. And I was like, well, no one's going to get pregnant when you're having these issues. Like, my goodness. Like, so I had to really, first of all, take it a piece at a time. So the first piece was, is that we already knew my husband had what we had to deal with on Mm -hmm. his issue, but until we could get my body primed and ready, we, I just kind of put that on the back burner, like hold that thought, we'll come back to it. And we were able to meet with him and he goes, you know, um, I'd like to offer you an in-office procedure uh, where he took a camera and he was able to kind of go inside and, and see like, what does, what does the cervix look like? What does the canal look like? What does the uterus look like? And so here I've been bleeding out what it felt like forever. Um, I'm also anemic. Naturally, they it's unspecified anemia. I've had it for years and years, just always been that way. And then you couple this next issue on top of it. It's like, I felt like everything was on fire, but the fire department wasn't coming. Really. Oh my gosh. So we were able to, um, he, I went ahead, I obliged with that. And he went in there with a the camera and he took one look and he goes, oh, 
He was like, well, yeah. He's like, I can see exactly why you have problems. Now, mind you, I have endometriosis. So doing anything while awake, I mean, just a basic checkup. I just want to, I literally want to come in course because <laughs> just everything sucks. I'm like, this is horrible. But he was able to take the camera and he looked in there and he goes, yeah, there's no way. He's like, you have so many polyps. I've never seen him quite like it. It was like, um, the way it was described was like a sea kelp, like where you, there would be no way, even if my husband at that point was producing sperm, that it would have ever been able to penetrate the kelp, like the kelp. Wow. And it was in the, uh, if I remember correctly, it was in the canal, like the vaginal canal, as well as um, a few in there. And then there's all in my uterus, completely blocking everything. I don't know a lot about, you know, infertility and everything, but still to my mind, that is just earth shattering like how are you processing all this like you finally have answers but i can only imagine how overwhelming it was to get those answers that obviously you weren't expecting well i had my first initial thought was relief because i the worst thing for me is not knowing like that whole unknown why is this happening because there's always a why um and then it was kind of like that i was pissed because it's, I had wasted this time and energy for something that was really could have been taken care of very quickly by the other clinic had I not continued to be passed off with it's just your endometriosis you'll be fine or you know mm-hmm. go back on birth control which that's not conducive to somebody trying to conceive like those yeah. answers are not working for me. I, I'm trying to wrap my mind around like the whole situation but I can't imagine like what you were processing that's like to have this desire in your heart, but then to have blockade after blockade, just like stopping you from that. I, I, I want to like say, I'm sorry, but I feel like those words aren't sufficient enough. So I hope that in some small way, like you sharing your story will like help in the healing process. Cause I know there's a lot more to your story as we continue on. So why don't we, um, go to the next step after he had found the seek help. <laughs> like what, what was the next step that he advised you all on? Well, he said the, his natural reaction was typically I can do this in office very easily. He's like, but yours is so overwhelming. He's like, I wouldn't want to put you through that. So he did go ahead um, and schedule me for a, you know, it wasn't a big, big surgery or anything, but it was a procedure you go in, you get put under they take care of everything and then you come out and that, you know, you monitor it. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. And then with that, it really prompted me um, in his office. He has a um, reproductive endocrinologist that comes up from the Los Angeles area um, into my area and works with couples that might be struggling with fertility. Well, at that point, I was like, so in my in my head, I was like, I've already lost the better part of a year just trying to figure out why I'm bleeding incessantly. Um, I have to deal with this testosterone issue because that was not my area of expertise. I wasn't exactly sure how we were going to navigate that portion of it. Um, so at that point, I went ahead and called and made an appointment and you get the, the long-standing question of, well, have you been trying for six months? <laughs> and my answer was, oh yes, I'm ab- I absolutely have been trying. The question is, have you been trying for a year? Yeah, I have. Oh my word. So I went with it. Duh, we're coming to, like, I know they have to ask that everybody, but really, like, would we be coming to you if we haven't been trying this long? 
Well, and then it's like define trying. Like we could we could yes. really get into the logistics of that, but the answer was yes. Uh-huh. Yes, and there are issues that I already knew, like whether I tried it for another six months, the testosterone in those sperm was going to be very impactful. Like it wasn't going to matter. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yep, been trying that long, whatever it takes. So we were able to meet with him. It was a great experience um, with the reproductive endocrinologist. He was able to, um, once we got the polyps taken care of and, you know, it had it been like a month or two um, by the time I got the consultation appointment. And, you know, we went in there, we had discussed our medical history yet again. Um, he had come up already off the bat with, um, you know, I want to do a sperm analysis, which that's how we learned that he was, his numbers were at zero. There was nothing being made, not even in the slightest, a little bit. And he came up with a few different contingency plans with how to bring the sperm back. And he goes, and worst case scenario, because I'm always like, okay, give me best case, worst case. Like I need to know because I got, I, it helps me to kind of plan ahead mm-hmm. of how this might transpire. So the first um, plan of action was let's go ahead and get him off the testosterone, get him onto the correct regimen, which included, um, oddly enough, HCG to bring mm-hmm. the numbers back. Oh, but wow. with that, you don't take anything or at least at that point the recommendation he doesn't take any type of testosterone because it really would be counterproductive to bringing it back with the hcg and i know that i've heard and that's the way some people handle it but in the case of my husband they didn't so we were able to do that and then he also wanted to double check my tubes through a it's called an hsg and make sure everything was clear you know, cause I explained, you know, we have these polyps. He's like, hey, what about your tubes? And I was like, I'm not aware of anything like, well, let's check it out. So I did go ahead and move forward with that just as kind of a preliminary, let's rule it out. We're already here. Let's just make it happen. Um, my husband then started the regimen um, with him and I asked him, okay, what's that worst case scenario? And he's like, worst case scenario. He's like, we will go ahead and put your husband under a knife. We will cut into the um the testicle and we will pull the sperm out and i thought oh gosh like that's a lot (laughs) oh my word but hey he gave it to me best case worst case you know and that's what i asked for but i was like "Hmm, i'd really prefer not to do that because it sounds horrible (laughs) yes but at least it kind of prepped my mind for where could this go Mm -hmm. what does this look like and i appreciated that um so we went ahead and moved forward with all of the recommendations and at that point um he, my husband had gone back, uh, I want to say it was about three months later to see where the sperm was at. And he was making, I want to say 40 million on his own, which was from zero to 40 million, like is amazing. Cause they, oh, they, they honestly goodness. weren't sure. They really weren't sure. That is so amazing. And I can only imagine the small glimmer of hope that it started to give both of you. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? What did that first feeling of, okay, maybe this is possible. What was that like between the two of you? It was honestly like we, again, having kind of a volatile and tumultuous background, um, we are always kind of a couple that's like, Ooh, we don't want to think this way. We're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yes. And so it was really mm-hmm. actually like a breath of fresh air for both of us to finally get good news even if it was the smallest amount of news i was like yes that's a win and we're gonna take it because mm. we deserve it we you know we've yes. been through this and you know what 
we don't know how far this road's going to go. So let's take the little wins along the way or we're both going to burn out. Mm-hmm. And we did. Yeah. Let's pick up after you've gotten the amazing news that your husband's sperm is basically, I guess, back to normal, you could say. Um, and what was the next step? Yeah. So his sperm was at, uh, was at near normal, which is great. Um, so at that point, we, this was probably in late, maybe 2019, I would guess. And mind you, this had already been a probably two and a half year adventure up until this point of just trying to get all our ducks in a row just to even get this far. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, my husband and I um, proceeded to continue to try naturally. We had addressed what was blocking up my world and what was, you know, not helping him in his world. So we really um, started to navigate that. That was probably, I would say, yeah, probably like the fall of 2019 when we really got that great news. Um, so we proceeded to continue to try naturally. Um, but we already had knew, known back then, like, hey, we've lost like quite a bit of time just kind of trying to finagle our way through this system. And so we ended up um, making the decision that a couple different things. We had a couple different contingency plans going. Um, we were in constant conversation with our reproductive endocrinologist as well as our regular OB. Um, and then I had a friend that actually started working with CNY Fertility in New York. So I had a few different irons in the fire as to how this was going to transpire. Um, we continued to proceed naturally. We did go ahead and um, do an IUI. So intrauterine insemination. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe medicated. I can't remember exactly what we decided, but I didn't end up doing one. That was in January of 2020. And in January, 2020, we did that. And unfortunately it failed and we were really bummed. Um, We were really bummed, but I felt um, looking back now, and this is just kind of me not knowing it was unfortunate that it had failed because I think that had I had known um, it would have, what I could have invested in for some of those, like, cause you know, what it requires to go into IUI, you know, you monitor the cycle, you have to do certain type of, um, you know, ovulation test, you get the positive, you go in. And at the time I really um, had not invested in great ovulation at home ovulation tests. And I think had I had known the benefit of, you know, I'm going to be spending this kind of money, maybe I needed something a little bit more clear Mm -hmm. um, because some of them, they're not all cut the same. So I kind of feel like a little bit at fault (laughs) with that failure because I was like, well, just not being well-versed at the time and kind of navigating that whole piece of, you know, assistive reproductive technology that I had not done before. So sadly, that one did end up failing in January. But my husband and I going through this process had a plan. And with that, our plan was we actually were planning on moving out of state at that time. We were planning on actually selling our home. We, we knew we were going to put our home on the market to pay to have a baby. Mm. We knew we were going to navigate that. And we did. We put our home on the market in March that following March. So a couple months later, and we were already ready to start gearing up because my husband being older, we were always concerned, like time is of the essence of this yes. point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then also like I, our, both of our kids are getting older and we're kind of like, Oh gosh, like, what is this going to look like? Um, and then, you know, we were still just having a lot of difficulty getting pregnant, um, even after that. And it really should have, there was no reason for us to have, to have not by the doctor's standards. You, everything's up to par, right? Mm-hmm. So we went ahead, we sold our home in anticipation of 
hey, we're going to pursue IVF and we're going to do it through CNY fertility. Um, and our reproductive endocrinologist was phenomenal in, in going ahead and coordinating like different things with us with testing, sperm storage, all that. Cause he knew like, oh, you guys are serious. Like you're not messing around. We're like, yeah. no, like time is of the essence. Like we want this, we're going to do what we got to do. <laughs> so um, we sold, our house actually sold <clears throat> on May 4th of 2020. Um, in late April though, I did go in for another um, um, HSG to make sure that the polyps hadn't grown back. There weren't any additional blockages or anything I needed to be aware of. And the radiologist could not get the catheter in. He couldn't get it to happen. So um, he called my OB at that point, this was in late April. And he's like, I don't know what to do. He's like, I've never not been able to do this. And your patient, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Wow. So 45 minutes of you know, stirrups and all, you know, the whole world's just checking it all out, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and I'm standing there just cracking jokes every which way. Cause I'm like, this is awkward. not for me, but maybe for them. I mean, I get... <laughs> so, um, he calls my doctor and my doctor goes, well, I can't come right now. He's like, can you have her come back in the morning? And I will go ahead and I will, I will assist in the process. So I was super mad at the time because I live 40 minutes away from this radiology place. And I was like, shoot, like whatever. But I was like, okay, it's fine. Like we're doing this because we know we're, we're going to be doing IVF and I want it to go well. So it is what it is. I come back the next day. My doctor has the catheter in within 30 seconds of me laying on the table. They move forward. Everything looks good. So I'm getting primed and ready for this whole experience. I'm going to yes. go. Um, so again, our house sells on and closes escrow on May 4th. Um, we finally, you know, get the proceeds into our account and I'm like, okay. And I start, you know, cause we're moving also out of state. So I have multiple components happening. So I'm like, I'm moving out of state. And I also need to set aside this amount for the IVF. And I called up and I was having wild anxiety that day. Um, I happened to call up on, I want to say it was May 13th. I had started talking to the, the pharmacy in which CNY contracts through and, and recommends for medication. Um, talking to them, getting all the information I needed. I'm writing it all out. You know, this is the cost of this. This is what it's used for. This is how often, et cetera, et cetera. Because I'm all about, one, I'm balling on a budget. Yes. <laughs> and I'm going to do whatever it takes to, you know, and I had a friend that had already gone through this process that was kind of helping guide me mm. to like, make sure you do all these things. And I was, and I, I got off the phone and I was like, oh my goodness, $4,500 for medication. Oh Just my the medication gosh. alone. So I was, I was a little mortified and I was like, I need to like, I told him, I was like, let me, let me call you back. Like, I need a minute, like just for that little piece alone. And I, I mean, I knew it was going to be costly. I knew that, but I had yes. to like really take a step back and go, okay, take a breath. Mm, so, mm-hmm. And with that, and I'm sitting um, multitasking, I'm actually in a meeting and I'm also on hold with the <laughs> pharmacy. And I'm also texting my husband going like, oh no, $4,500. And then we're also moving out of state. There's so much going on. And he's like, okay. He's like, relax. It's going to be fine. I'm like, okay, fine. Well, I happened to get off that meeting and I was like, well, I gotta go to the grocery store anyway. So I roll into the grocery store and do all my grocery shopping. And I was like, you know what? Like I happen to be, since my having all the polyps dealt with and all of that, my cycles were still a little bit wonky with like two days being off here and there a little mm-hmm. longer than the store. 
And I was like, well, that's weird. Like I'm a couple, like two days late, which wasn't really abnormal for me at that time while everything was still kind of getting back to normal. And I was like, well, I'll just grab the pregnancy test. So I'm about to throw down $4,500. I better just throw down the $99 (laughs) store test. I don't know what I'm going to do. I was just so overwhelmed. I was like, I just need to figure this out. And um, I happened to roll up um, at the time I was living with a family member. I happened to roll through and stop at the guest house where my husband and I were staying um, while we were navigating this transition. And I went up there and I, funny story, my husband actually had shingles. He's never had shingles a day in his life. Oh my word. If things couldn't get worse. (laughs) So I go up there and and I'm like, how are you doing? He's like, well, I'm dying. Like, don't talk to me. I'm like, I'm literally laying here in bed dying. And I go into the bathroom and I'm like, well, I better just take this test, move on so I can call that pharmacy back and get that going. And I take a test and I, I'm sitting there and I'm just, you know, minding my own business. And I'm like, it's just going to be another negative. I'm, I'm, I'm already in my, my head going, it's just going to be negative. It's just, I don't know. Like we've been here, we've done this, but I am two days late. You know, I'm yes. getting more stable, but what, what does this mean? And sure enough, I look down and it's positive. And I walk oh up God. to my husband at shingles and all. And I'm like, hey, and he's over there literally just dying in the bed. Like he's probably like, I don't care about this right now. <laughs> and I show this to him and he's all, what? Like he, he has to like try to get out of bed and he's looking at this test and he's like, oh, wow. Like he couldn't even respond. He was in so much pain. Oh. That poor guy. But I was like, you need to know what's happening. Like this is so important. And oh. sure enough, lo and behold, we now have a wonderful two-year-old boy. Oh, I love that so much that in the midst of absolute chaos, not even, you haven't even mentioned the fact that the world was shut down. Like, <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Forgot about that. <laughs> just, you know, that's just a minor detail. But on top of all of that, fi- just finding out that you're going to have to pay this outrageous amount. And now you have what could only be described as like a miracle baby. Mm-hmm. I just. It really was. Wow. I, I think our sons might be about the same age. Mine just turned two in June. Yeah, my turn in June and or in January he turned two. Yeah. Oh, what I I love this age so much. Wow. So you find out you're pregnant in was that May of 2020? Mm-hmm. May of 2020. Wow. And what 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 were the feelings that once your husband got over shingles? <laughs> right. That was such a it's such a funny part of the story because I mean the poor guy couldn't really even enjoy it with me. I was like whenever you're ready, like I'll be over here. (laughs) So once he was ready and you could celebrate what just kind of describe the joy that you felt in that miracle of a child, was there any like anxiety mixed with it or were you just so purely happy and excited? I think that initially, um, like well, there's always like that little bit of reservation when you endure so much, you know, wow. Like, everything we went through and it's not even the fertility stuff it stems from so much further back in our relationship just everything that we have been through individually and as a couple and just to finally watch something work out and come to fruition was just to say it was a miracle for us is just I mean I that's just one way to put it it was just so amazing I mean I finally was like wow I'm pregnant like mm. by somebody that truly loves me. Like I couldn't mm. believe it. I was just like, wow. 
And I just, at that point, we were just trying to, you know, obviously um, just be cautious, but also not let it rob us of the joy of it. Um, we, you know, I made the appointment with the doctor, got everything, confirmation, got my blood drawn, all that. And then it really came into the exciting piece of how are we going to tell our 13 year old? Yeah, that was exciting. That was a very exciting part. Oh, how did, how so, did he take it as being a 13 year old? <laughs> at the time he was 10. So he was okay. a little bit younger. Um, he was my little prayer warrior all the way through, oh, um, would pray for that. a sibling regularly. I mean, poor kid, top of the list, birthdays and Christmases as a sibling. I want a sibling. I want a sibling. Oh. And I would just tell him like, every time he asked me, I'd be like, you got to keep praying about it. Cause I do not have the answer. Mm. And he did. And so really, uh, we waited. We actually took a trip to Texas when the whole world was shut down. We, we did head out to Texas um, to look at some properties and things like that. And when we got back, my husband and I had planned this whole elaborate um, like reveal. And we were able to, he loves Fast and the Furious. And I was able to get him um, a shirt that was quoted um, between the brotherly, brotherly relationship between the character of Dom and the character of Brian. And as well as I got a framed ultrasound picture where it talks about, I can't wait to meet you, it's your brother. And watching my son, um, I had him first, you know, look at the shirt and he's like, oh, cool, a Fast and Furious shirt. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> keep going, you know? So then he pulls out the um, frame and he's reading it. And then, I mean, when he sees, you know, I can't wait to meet you, I mean, he dropped everything, started bawling, jumps into my husband and I's arms, just hysterical. He's like, I never knew if it was going to happen. And he goes, you're pregnant. I can't believe it. And he was so elated and just so over the moon about it. He, he could, he's like, I, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm going to be a brother. Oh man, that's going to, that's going to make me cry. That's just, there's, there's joy, no matter who you tell, but the joy in telling your child that they're going to have a sibling that that they've been praying for for years and years that joy is unlike anybody else any friend or other family member oh, that's just so beautiful i love that for him and what is their relationship like now um so i would always ask them periodically i'm like well you know what do you think about being a brother he's like words can never describe mom Oh. Um, he's a great brother. Uh, he is very doting, very loving. Um, they really love each other. Um, they are right now, however, being 13 and two navigating. Ooh. What does that look like? Um, because my two-year-old is pretty much, he's such a mix of my husband and I. Um, and if he ain't feeling it, he ain't feeling it. And my no. oldest is like, Ew, like, why is he like that? I'm while he's two. And he's like, mm, I don't love this age. And so <laughs> that really prompted him. Like, I'm like, oh, see, so like the baby's better. He's like, well, yeah, they're going to act like that. So they're kind of <laughs> trying to get used to like this. What does this look like now that the, the, our two-year-old is walking and talking and, you know, attitude and feelings and like, no, I'm not going to do that. Or no, I'm not going to throw that away for you or whatever the case may be. And my <laughs> oldest is kind of like man, I don't know. I don't know what we signed up for here. <laughs> Can we return him, mom? <laughs> Pretty much. But he's like, but I do love him. Like, you know, oh, I, like, oh well, I love him. He's my brother. So. There, there's um, nine years difference between my sister and I. And I distinctly remember feeling that same way. Like, 
she would yell at me constantly. You're not my mom because I was put in charge of her, you know, so often because I was so much older and, you know, would help watch her and stuff. But to this day, like she's my best friend. And, and it took us a few years like to figure things out, as I'm sure your boys will. But she's the one I go to constantly, the first one. And I, there's there's, you know, a giant age gap is not what society says, you know, you should have or whatever. And maybe it's not ideal for some, but I would not trade my sister for anybody in the world, despite the age difference. She's my best friend. So once they grow up and they figure things out, I can only imagine how close they're going to be. That's what we're hoping for. And that's what we always really encourage. Mm -hmm. Um, Good, good, positive relationships and boundaries, even between them now, just trying to really try to facilitate, um, them to have the best relationship moving forward because you know it, that's all my husband and I have ever really wanted. We had to split Mary's story into two parts because there was so much to cover. So make sure you tune in next week to hear the continuation of her story. I hope that you are able to feel her strength radiating through her story despite the burden of loss being carried throughout it. So tune in next week and we'll see you then. Bye.